This is the outpouring meeting with Dr. David Jeffries. Tonight I'm going to share with you on a beautiful subject that is uh, putting fear in the hearts of a lot of Christians, but it ought to make you joyful instead. And that's the subject that is contained in this little thought. The most direct attack upon the cross of Jesus is an unforgiving heart. Had you thought about that? Therefore, tonight I'm going to talk to you about the absolute necessity of offering forgiveness. If you have to, break down your pride. If you have to, look at the offering and the sacrifice Jesus made in order to forgive you and me. Of a lifetime of sin, he has forgiven us. And that's good news tonight. So I'm going to talk to you about forgiving. And every single person that's listening to me has some measure of a need to forgive someone. Uh, you may need to forgive uh, yourself. Actually, you may be holding something against yourself and running yourself down and denigrating yourself. You need to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive myself for torturing and persecuting myself and judging myself. So you may need self-forgiveness, which is a powerful thing that's necessary that most people don't think about. And then you may need to forgive someone, uh, and you very well will know who that is. And it may be more than one person that you need to forgive. But I'm going to say this to you. The refusal to forgive someone is an act of the most direct attack upon the cross of Jesus. I've said that twice, but I want you to hear it. I'll say it a couple more times before this message is over tonight. But welcome to the outpouring meeting with Dr. David Jeffries. And uh, every week we're getting more and more uh, excellent technology. And I want to remind you that Sunday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I will be giving a message for Easter. It will be my Easter sermon on the resurrection. I gave it one year and I, I preached on the subject, who is this Jesus of the resurrection? And so I'm going to be having a resurrection service at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock where my buddies are out in Texas and California. I don't know. You might have to get out of bed early for that one. But I want to go back to this subject. When you truly forgive someone, you obey God by doing it. And I want to say something to you. When you obey God by forgiving someone, a transaction happens up in heaven where the Father hears that. Because when you forgive someone, you will say, I forgive this person in the name of Jesus. You can't say in the name of Jesus sincerely from your heart without all of heaven listening. God rises up off his throne to hear his son's name pronounced because you see the father loves the son. And so I want you to kind of listen. I'm going to go into some detail about forgiveness and some of the effects of unforgiveness. So let's go ahead and start this. Now the Bible says plainly that if you do not forgive you your neighbor their trespass, uh, many people can avoid this part and don't really know it's there. Neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. So you see, you cannot afford the luxury of carrying a bitter, resentful, hurting, hateful spirit towards someone, even though you may have pushed it down 
And you may say, well, I'm not really bitter anymore. I'm not really angry. I'm not really hurt. I'm not really uh, resentful. But you may be fooling yourself. And so this message partly tonight is to help you to ask the Holy Spirit, search my heart and see if there's some way in me and lead me in a path everlasting. So ask God to search your heart about forgiveness, will you? Could he be hidden in me? See if there be some hidden way in me, Lord God, and lead me in path everlasting. But the scripture that says this, if you do not, now watch those words. If you do not, four words, forgive your neighbor their trespass, then God will not forgive you yours. Are you listening to that? I didn't write that in your Bible. God wrote it. He had holy men of old write that in the scriptures. And so God is working with you to make certain that you are going before this message is over, in another 45 minutes or so, that you have done a complete work of forgiveness in your heart from your heart. You got it? Did I lay it out clear enough for you? Okay. So many years ago, I wrote a book, and it is available now on my website, I believe, and it's called Forgiveness in the Mind of Christ. Forgiveness in the Mind of Christ. In other words, forgiveness like Jesus would have you forgive, not like you think you should. And if you're making the statement, well, I forgive them, I really do forgive them, but I'll never forget what they did to me. I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. I'm going to say something to you. A part of true forgiveness from your heart is a thing called divine forgetfulness. Divine forgetfulness. Now, in heaven, God practices divine forgetfulness. In other words, as we repent of our own sins and confess our sins before the Lord and truly ask for forgiveness, God casts our sin away from us as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you again. Divine forgetfulness. And so God wants you to be so squeaky clean free of unforgiveness and squeaky clean free of the things that go along with unforgiveness, such as resentment, bitterness, and hatred, that you don't have to hit your pillow, head on the pillow tonight not knowing without knowing that you have truly forgiven those that you need to forgive. So I want you to get in that mood of forgiveness. I want you to believe that you could get in big trouble with God, and you may already be in big trouble with God because of a stubborn refusal to say, Father, I forgive in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what we're looking at right now, that you forgive in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, one day I was looking at three things, resentment, bitterness, and hatred. And I asked God to show me about resentment, bitterness, and hatred. And this is what I came up with. Uh, the Bible shows us that, that now is the ax laid to the root of the tree. In other words, if you, there are certain bushes and trees that if you cut, the, cut them off at ground level, they can just grow right back. But Paul says, now is the ax laid to the root of the tree. And that is called the root of bitterness. And here's the process. Someone says something smart addict to you, or someone says something downgrading to you. And the first part about it is you kind of halfway shrug it off. And you know the command of the Lord. And that is, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn also the other. 
And so you know that. And so you kind of say, well, I resent that, but I don't hate the person. And I'm not bitter toward them, but I do resent it. So the first step of real uh, coming away from God and coming down to a place of hatred and unforgiveness is the fact that you resent somebody. Now, you're going to say right back to me, well, I bet everybody resents somebody. Yes, but if you continue to resent, then you're going to be at some point in that resenting of someone, you're going to be opposing the Holy Spirit's conviction for that resentment. Because resentment basically is a measure of you trying to protect your own pride. That's right. I resent you attacking my pride like that. And the Bible says that the pride goes before a fall. So you don't want to protect your pride by just resenting someone. How dare them think that or say that or, or act that way toward me? Because Jesus showed you the process. And part of the process is these words. If a man or woman strike you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. Now watch this. Your resentment, your bitterness, and your hatred is a direct result of your refusal to turn the other cheek. You're refusing a direct command of Almighty God to turn the other cheek. One day I was praying with someone and they basically just insulted me, I mean, terribly. And I thought, Lord, look, that, that's, that, that makes me angry. And all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. And literally in their face, I did just like this. I turned my face like that for them to slap me or offend me on the other cheek. And guess what happened? You ready for this? I'm going to be very frank with you. When I turned my cheek, I saw the cross. I had to turn my cheek to see the cross. And when I saw the cross, I saw Jesus dying for a thousandfold sins of mine when this person had only, had only offended me one time. You get the point? How much more have we offended the Lord Jesus Christ that we should offend someone else or refuse to forgive someone else or be resentful towards someone else? And so watch this. You literally may have to physically make yourself turn the cheek. And by the way, there is turning the cheek after the fact. If someone offended you six months ago, six years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago, you could actually go before the throne of God and say, Lord, I did not turn my cheek and I just carried this resentment and bitterness toward them all these years. And you know what you could do? You could say, I will now obey you, Lord. This is the love of God that we obey his commandments. And you can know what you can actually do 20 years later, 30 years later. After the offense, you can say to God, I'm turning my cheek, Lord Jesus. And you can turn your cheek like that and God will let you see the cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And all that cross is there and it bears every sin that you've ever had against God. And God holds no resentment. He holds no bitterness. He holds no hatred towards you because he's your father. And since God is your father, act like his son. Since God is your father, act like God's daughter and turn the cheek. Now the process uh, going away from God starts with a simple little, I resent that. I mean, I resent that. But again, the reason that resentment's hard on you is because of your pride. Your pride has been hurt. 
And when your pride gets hurt, you just bow up here. You go, well, how dare them say that about me? They should see their own action. They should see their own face. So they should see their own, you see, and you react. Now, there's a difference between reacting as a Christian and responding. Reaction is a knee-jerk thing. I'll show you. But responding is another thing altogether. Because what you do is when someone offends you or they offended you years ago and you never took care of it, and again, when you turn the cheek, you can force yourself to turn the cheek. Just take your hand if you need to and turn the cheek. You're saying a big mouthful to God when you turn your cheek even 50 years later. And you say, Father, forgive me for not turning my cheek. Forgive me. If they strike you on the one cheek, turn to them the other and offer them the other. In so doing, you're obeying God. And there's a mighty power of the Holy Spirit released in true forgiveness when you obey God. Isn't that good news tonight? And so we have a process of moving away from God and getting deeper and deeper into the resentment, bitterness, and hatred. And that process is this. It starts with resentment. Protecting your pride because they've said something about you or because they hurt your feelings or whatever. But if you don't deal with that resentment right away, if you don't turn the cheek right now, right now, you may be thinking, I got an idea that some people listening to this message who are thinking, oh, my land's alive. I hated that person for so many years and I still haven't got over my hatred. Why not? God showed you turn your cheek. Turn your cheek and you'll see the cross. Turn your cheek and you'll see the Son of God loving you 10,000 times more than you ever loved him. And when you see the Son of God, you can say, how can I do no less? Having Jesus given me the incredible sacrifice of his life, how can I do no less than to offer him to lay down my life for my friend, for this person who's offended me? Now, if you turn the cheek, the resentment is immediately broken off you. It doesn't go any further. There are a lot of people that have had resentment and their pride and said, my land's alive. I wasn't so prideful. I wouldn't have resented that. Let me tell you something. We don't take God's commands lightly. If someone offends you, turn also the other cheek. That's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment of God. Because when you do turn the cheek one more time, third time, you'll see the cross. You'll see the reality of how much your sinful life has been guilty of nailing Jesus to the cross and how that whole lifetime of sins is guilty of nailing him there. And then you'll understand how how picky and how puny is my excuse for resenting this person. And so as you turn the cheek, then the resentment disappears. It doesn't go to the next stage. And by the way, the stage is this, resentment, bitterness, then hatred. From resentment, it goes to a much deeper and much more bitter era called bitterness. And there's a root of bitterness. This resentment goes down in your heart. And as it settles in there and you don't take care of it, then it's then like any other seed, what does a seed do when the warmth and the sun and all that hits that under the ground and warms the earth? That seed sprouts roots, you see? And so if you nurse this and give it the warmth of your tender care and you just keep on thinking about how they hurt your feelings, then eventually if you don't deal with it as quick as you need to, it will become a root of bitterness 
and the Bible says this root of business bitterness springing up with foul will will besmirch your name will will pollute you if that root of bitterness comes up. So from resentment we turn the cheek. We see the Son of God on the cross and realize how silly our little resentment is because he did not resent us for a lifetime of sin. Instead, he laid his life down and in one action forgave a world of sin. In one action, he forgave a world of sin. That was the microphone with me hitting it when I did that. So if you're thinking something's going on, it's not. It's just me hitting the microphone. Now, so since he's forgiven you a world of sin, and you take care of this resentment by turning the cheek, you don't go to the next stage putting down roots of bitterness. Now, I'm going to say something to you. A person with a bitter spirit has it written all over their face everywhere they go. Have you ever met anybody, I know you have, that you thought, well, they're the most bitter person. They got the most contrary uh, state of mind. They're just so mean-spirited and they're so... That's a bitter person. And that bitter person got there honestly because somewhere along the line, that bitter person was first resentful and second refused Jesus, our Lord's direct command to turn the cheek and to see Calvary's cross. Isn't that beautiful? To turn the cheek and see Calvary's cross means to release from heaven the mighty power of God and to release the blood covering over you so that when the blood covers you, it washes away all sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad you can sing about the blood of Jesus washing your sins away? How about your resentment being washed away? How about your bitterness? Because remember, when it goes to simple resentment, it's not quite as severe because you can resent somebody and nobody would ever know it. You mean you've resented me all these years? I did. I resented what you did back there. And ever since then, I've always had some kind of prejudice against you. I've always looked down on you because you re I resented. You mean you carried that in your heart all these years and refused to get it right with God? Uh, yes. Now, resentment, and you nurture it, and you refuse to turn the cheek, it gets a little warmth, it gets a little sunshine, it gets a little moisture, and the seed sprouts out. I bought a bag of potatoes not long ago. There were golden potatoes, little tiny gold potatoes. And I put them over in a corner, and I like to take a potato every once in a while and, and slice it and fry it. Uh, just one potato. And those things are little anyway. And so I, I went a week or so and I opened the bag and I said, let's go ahead. And it had sprouts all over it. I mean, little places it was sprouting out and putting out uh, the, 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 the flower of that potato to make another dozen tomatoes. I mean, potatoes, excuse me. You know what? I cut a lot of those off because I thought that they don't look too good. I just rather have the real meat of the potato, not all these sprouts. If I wanted something green, I'd eat some green beans. But you know what? If you leave that resentment and you leave that bitterness 
alone long enough, it will move to the third stage, which is a stage of it will produce a tree. Coming out of the ground, it will produce a tree that bears all manner of fruits. And you know what those fruits are of hatefulness, resentment, bitterness, and hatred? Those fruits on that tree of hatred are murder, bitterness, anger, all kind of fruits of resent, resentment, revenge, um, all kinds of uh, nasty things. And you'll have those fruits just hanging out all over your life and you'll never bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Because fruit that is born for the kingdom of God is born from hearts that are clean and pure and that refuse to go any more days of your life without, without forgiving people. And so God is teaching you exactly how to do that. That he wants you to immediately turn the cheek, immediately become a child of God, immediately prove that you've been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, and that you are now a candidate for God's spirit to fill you with his spirit and to lead you on into a deeper life with God. So here we have it, resentment, bitterness, hatred, a tree sprouting up of hatred and bearing all the evil sick fruits that come off that tree that someone tries to eat the fruit of that comes off a tree of hatred and it just doesn't set well with them. Now, Matthew 18, there was a man who had a, a, a great vineyard he, and, he, and he decided that he would go away for a while and leave his servants there. And uh, there was a man who was in his, working for him that owed that man a tremendous amount of money. And so the guy uh, that owed this huge amount of money couldn't possibly ever repay that debt because it was like a lifetime of, of debt. And so he went to the master before he went anywhere and he said to him, uh, I need you to forgive me this great incredibly big debt. I need you to forgive me. And he begged him, I, please forgive me of my debt. And the Bible says this man had pity on him. That man was so pitiful, the way he pleaded for that debt to be forgiven, that the, the, the wealthy man said, I forgive you all your debt. A lifetime of debt. But there was another person in Matthew 18 that owed this same man that had just been forgiven a lifetime. I mean, a lifetime. How would you like to be forgiven all the debts if you had lots of them? A, a lifetime that you can never earn enough money in a lifetime to pay that debt back. Seems like that sometimes anyway, doesn't for some people. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The man that owed that great debt and had it forgiven had another man come to him who owed him a small debt. Now, Here's what you and I would think that the Bible would say. And so that man who owed that huge debt that had been forgiven and had seen the cross or should have seen the cross in that forgiveness would turn to that guy that owed him a little bit and say, you got to be kidding. I've just, been, I've just been forgiven a lifetime of debt. You don't owe me anything. I forgive you that little tiny debt. But he didn't do it. You know what he did? He told that man, you're going to pay that debt every penny. And he began to afflict him and began to strike him and began to really cruelly treat him. Now, the Bible says that there were some people standing by and they were watching. And those were the other servants. 
And they went back to the master that had forgiven that whole lifetime of debt and said, you're not going to believe what this guy you just forgave a whole lifetime of debt has done. He had a guy that owed him just a few dollars and he, he refused to pay. He refused to forgive his debt and began to afflict him. And so the rich man who uh, had forgiven the great debt called that man in and said, how can you do this having been forgiven so much that you wouldn't forgive him his debt? And the Bible says he threw him into prison under the terms that he would remain in prison until he paid every penny of that lifetime of debt off. So you see the hopelessness, don't you? He could never pay it in prison. He couldn't work a job to pay it. And then the Bible says something strange. Most people miss this. And he turned him over to the tormentors. The tormentors are the evil spirits that are allowed to attack people that refuse God. Now, wait a minute. They are people that refuse to honor God's word. When God says, if you do not forgive, neither will your father forgive you. Have you got the importance of that? Have you really gotten it? In a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to think of every person and ask God to bow your head or wherever you are. Father, do I resent somebody? Do I, am I bitter towards someone? Did I not turn the cheek when I should have? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn the cheek tonight because this can be the last day of your life that you hold resentment, bitterness, and hatred. It can be the last hour. You can go to bed tonight, lay your head on your pillow, and wake up in the morning knowing that you have nothing between your soul and the Savior and knowing that you have nothing in your heart, no resentment, bitterness, or hatred toward anybody on earth. You can know that by obeying God, by repenting in Jesus' name of having offended someone or having been offended and refusing to turn the cheek. What a message. It's the message of the story of love is what it is. For God so deeply loved the whole world, including you and me, that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that perishing means to waste away to nothing. They should not perish, waste away to nothing, but should have everlasting life. And when you are in direct opposition to a known law of God, you begin to spoil, your spirit begins to perish and perish and wear away and wear away. And the longer you go without offering that kind of forgiveness, the worse off your spirit perishes. So, no excuse. I don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. And I'm going to carry you in a minute to the Lord. And I'm going to ask the Lord, search David Jeffrey's heart. Is there anybody that I hold any resentment? I'm serious. If I find anybody, I might not let you know who it is, but I'm going to seriously repent and I'm turning the cheek. So I want you to follow me now. Will you follow me? Pray with me, if you will. You can pray silently if you don't want anybody in the room to know what you're doing. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I did not turn the other cheek. I'm praying that too, by the way. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I refuse to turn the other cheek. And I know that I displeased you by disobeying your word. And so therefore, I put myself in prison to the tormentors to torture me until I honestly can do this true repentance and truly turn the other cheek and forgive this person of every sin, no matter how deep or awful that sin has been against me, I am forgiving them here and now. Do you like that phrase? Say it, here and now. 
here and now. Not there and then someday when it's convenient for you, but here and now when it is convenient for God. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I turn my cheek the other way where I did not do it before. I will obey you now because you're so merciful that you will accept my obedience now. So for that offense, now you think of the offense. You think of who offended you and you never got it right. For that offense, I turn the cheek in Jesus' name. Look, there on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And there's a Savior there. I turn the cheek and I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And he's come to rescue you and rescue me from a world of sin, a world of bitterness, hatred, resentment, and whatever it is. And I'll say something to you. You'll wake up in the morning a different person if you truly prayed that and you truly presented that person to the Lord and honestly repented, turning the cheek and letting God complete the process that should have been completed 20, 30, 50 years ago. How about it? How about that? Uh, my friend, Dr. Thomas Carruth, some of you heard of him at Asbury Seminary. He died in 1991. He was my mentor, father in the gospel, Dr. Thomas Carruth. I loved that man. He tells, uh, I, I, there was a story that, um, no, it wasn't a story. It was an actual event, as a matter of fact. I went to visit Dr. Carruth at his office one time, and he knew that I was a man of God. He was, knew that I was a servant of the Lord. And he said, David, he said, have you ever prayed for anybody on the phone? And I said, I sure have. He said, well, I'm getting uh, this woman from Lancaster, Virginia. I won't give you her name. Uh, Catherine's the first name. I'm getting Catherine on the phone from Lancaster, Virginia. She is dying with cancer. It's eating her up all inside. And the doctors have pronounced her, you know, going, she's going to die. She can't live. And I want you to pray for her on the phone. Now, when somebody asks you to pray for what seems to be an impossible situation, you all of a sudden feel very undone. Oh, my lands, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm, what am I going to pray? Lord, heal her. And what if he doesn't heal her? And what if he does? You see, but while he was getting her on the phone, I said, Lord Jesus, what's Catherine's problem? And he gave me the center core. He said she disobeyed and dishonored her mother and father when she was a young woman. By the way, Catherine was like 70 years old. She dishonored her mother and father when she was a young girl, and she never made it right. She never repented of dishonoring her parents. And I said, okay, so what does that mean? And he said, because she's had all these years to repent and she never did, this, this cancer has been come to cut her life short. Now listen to me. If you disobey the law of God, then you stand accountable for that sin. And if you break the rule that says, honor your mother and your father so that your days may be long upon the earth, if you dishonor them and never take care of it, you can certainly have things sent from the enemy to cut your life short. That doesn't happen in every case. But in this case, I'm going to show you the result. I had her, I got her on the phone and I said, Ms. Teague, the Lord showed me in, in my heart prayer that you had dishonored your mother and father as a young girl and you never made it right. She didn't even hesitate. She said, you're right. I did. I dishonored him. I never made it right. I said, do you know how you need to repent of that now? And she said, I do. Isn't that neat? Look how quick she was ready to repent. And I said, let me lead you in a sinner's prayer. And I said, pray after me, Father. I, re I dishonored my mother and father. And in the name of Jesus, I truly repent of that dishonoring. And I pray that you'll take this off of me in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, I went away for a few days and uh, I came back to Dr. Cruz's office to see how he was doing. Hi, Doc, how are you? He said, David, see this letter? He held a letter from Catherine from Lancaster, Lancaster, Virginia. And he said, the doctors are amazed. They've gone back in. They can't find a sign of cancer in her body. And I remembered God saying, honor your mother and your father and your days shall be long. Dishonor them and they shall be cut short. You see? So it's a serious life and death matter if we honor our mother and our father or we honor the principalities of God or we honor the word of God, put it above everything else in the world, make it a law unto you when God speaks his word. So six months later, uh, David, I got another letter from Catherine Teague. She's still cancer-free. The doctor still can't find that cancer. A year later, still can't find that cancer. Still can't. I say she died someday down the road, but it wasn't from cancer. Isn't God good? Isn't he wonderful? Wonderful, wonderful. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Your Lord is wonderful. He's a great and loving Savior. So resentment, turn the cheek. Bitterness, turn the cheek. Hatred, for heaven's sakes, turn the cheek as quick as you can and see the redemption of Calvary because this forgiving spirit of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of forgiveness and he brings that to your footsteps, right to your doorstep tonight. And God will do everything that I've preached a while ago. He will take care of you. He will forgive you as you turn your cheek 50 years later and God will restore you to a spirit-filled, joyful life. This is David Jeffries reminding you that Easter Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we'll be sending out a link. Our website is drdavidjeffries.com. I love you with the love of the Lord. And I see in you the glory of my King. And I love you with the love of the Lord. Good night, all of you that I love. See you later. Thanks for listening to The Outpouring with Dr. David Jeffries. For more information, visit his website at drdavidjeffries.com. And that is spelled D-R-D-A-V-I-D-J-E-F-F-A-R-E-S dot com. I'm Harley Cannon.